0: I, I want it to be like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when the trolley comes by,
2: you know?
1: subway driving by through the Zoom screen right now is a treasure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sound effects, too. Some foley work. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a professional outfit here. <laughs> Here's at So Many Damn Books. So many. So many. So many. Damn books. Welcome, one and all, to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm taking a drink of water. I'm Drew. And we have, joining us for the third time in the Dam Library hyperspace for the first time, is Uli Boyder cohen author of Between the Lines, Stories Woo! from the Underground. Woo! Uli is a New York City-based documentarian and artist and the creator of the Subway Book Review. Her work explores belonging to a time and place through writing and photography and has been featured on TV, in print, and online by New York Magazine, Esquire, Vogue. Forbes, O, the Oprah Magazine, Glamour, the BBC, and The Guardian, among others. And you live in Brooklyn, which meant that I could bring you the cocktail.
1: Indeed you did. You came by, you came through like an A-Train making no local stops with that cocktail. (laughs) And uh, I have to tell you, I'm here for the third time, but I'm here for the first time as an author. And that is a pleasure. So thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. I, the first time you came on was to just discuss eye level and um, and subway book review.
1: Was that with Bianca Bosker?
0: No, that was the second time. That was uh huh. When we did a wine book club. Oh, yep. And that now, was
1: that was boozy. That was phenomenal.
0: And now here you are again.
1: I snuck in. I snuck in yet again. Yes, <laughs> it's so nice. It's so nice. It's so nice to be snuck. Thank you. <laughs>
0: People who listen to this podcast probably love books. And if you love books, you're probably going to love Scribd. Forbes and TechCrunch and Wired all called Scribd Netflix for books. And that means that there are millions of ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more that you get with your subscription to this incredible service. You also get thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've read. Script is incredibly easy to use, really fun. I used it to listen to Lisa Letts's Spellman series, and that was really wonderful. So I always get a warm feeling when I see the app icon on my phone. And you too can use Script. Right now, Script is offering our listeners a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com/smdb for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com slash SMDB to get 60 days of Scribd for free. I want to tell the people about the drink that I made for you. Um I'm calling it mm. the Fairhopper. Nice.
1: Tell us why. What is the Fair Hopper? I'm dying.
0: Whenever I'm on the subway, I always see people um, jumping the turnstile to to get on the train, which, you know, the subway is incredibly expensive. So I think that if you're going to do that and you don't get caught, you know, Godspeed. Good for you. And I always think like, "Ah, I wish I could. I wish I could be so bold to do it myself.
1: My legs don't have the strength. My legs <laughs> can't do it. My arms can't hold me up and my legs can't do the jump. I have <laughs> thought about it in my head. I can't do it. I'm joining you, Christopher. I wish, but I can't.
0: So I figured I would make a drink that would steal your resolve <laughs> so that you could want to and be able to um, hop for your fare. And so it's a it's a whiskey-based cocktail. I actually um, cold-infused the whiskey with chamomile tea, which just means... I put the tea in the fridge to steep with the whiskey, um, because I was already going to get the sweetness from some spicy honey syrup. And so that's half and half honey and water. And then a little bit of lemon juice, you shake that up. I put yours in a cute little uh, ball preserves jar. nice
1: it was extra special to get it in a tiny but perfectly sized balls preserve jar and i I will say christopher i am once again a rule breaker because i definitely made the beautiful cocktail that you gave me i put a little bit of seltzer in it i made it a spritz
0: that makes sense to me i think it tastes good as a spritz too it's delicious
1: i didn't dilute it too much i just gave it a little mm, yeah a little Yeah, little shimmer. Exactly.
0: Can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to make it your own.
1: I'm happy that you feel that way. I'm happy. <laughs> You're not like you've ruined my creation, bitch.
0: Did we <laughs> can
2: say you bitch
1: on so many damn... <laughs> do we say this? Okay.
2: <laughs> we can. Christopher <laughs> okay. Can.
1: okay. All right.
2: Okay. Well, let's,
0: let's get into the things that we do on this show. Um, I would love to know, what did you buy? Oh. Uli, why don't you why don't you start us off? You, you've been setting something up.
1: Oh my God. The things that I've been buying lately are absolutely ridiculous. Like you would not believe me if I told you, which I am about to do, and you will not believe me. <laughs> so here we go. I have been buying brackets in abundance. I have been buying ledge shelving. I have been buying Sintra board and Christopher you already know what this is for. I will I will put another thing in here and Drew then I'm going to have you well no Drew you know too. I was going to have you guess what I'm going to do with all these materials. But <laughs> I also bought uh 60 60- uh christmas tree ornaments that are the subway subway christmas tree ornaments so i'm going to give your your viewers listeners time this cocktail is already working i'm alive these days. <laughs> i'm gonna give the listeners a second to think about what on earth i'm going to do with brackets lead shelving central board and 60 subway christmas tree ornaments I'm buying so many weird ass things right now because I'm preparing for something that is feeling like a gigantic feat, but I'm sure eventually it will turn into the greatest fun. I'm preparing to open a pop-up bookstore inside of Union Square Station on Broadway and 14th, um, right when you pass through the turnstile, either after you've hopped it or you've paid the fare, (laughs) dealer's choice, but there will be in one of the old newsstands that's currently empty, um, I'll be popping up. Oh,
2: cool.
1: With a little Subway Book Review Bookshop. Um, and I'm doing that in collaboration with the MTA and the Strand and the New York Public Library because we're also going to have a catalog of titles that are on the wish list of incarcerated people at Rikers Island. And you'll be able to buy a book for someone who really, really, really wants it at Rikers at our pop up bookshop.
2: That's awesome.
1: As you obviously also buy lots of merch from me and lots of books for your Christmas tree. I Mm -hmm. I need a lot of people to come through and just buy a lot of things. That central board ain't cheap, honey. (laughs) (laughs) These brackets cost good money. I need to make that money back. That's it's a pandemic. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are still in a pandemic. I think that people forget that sometimes maybe it's okay to forget it during the course of a podcast episode, but still. I think that is the absolute coolest thing to make a a sort of pop up bookstore yeah, that's right so there. Cool. Um, have you ever worked a bookstore before? Uli? No,
1: I have no no credits, no um acumen, no experience. once again, I'm doing something that I've never done before, and we will see. I'm gonna give it a strong this will be a learning experience attitude.
0: Wow, you know yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll but be able have, to, to pop yeah. up bookstores.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> again and again. You'll be the one who people call.
1: Yeah, don't call me yet. I will talk to me after it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing doing the collaboration with the MTA is of course a dream, um, and it's also um, uh, you know challenging because one of the things that I was told was that I can't bring anything flammable into the space to which I replied, well, you know, there will be printed books and, <laughs> and the MTA said, well, that's fine. And so, you know, you have to navigate the communications carefully and thoughtfully as Tim Gunn would say. And, um, but you know, I, it's an absolute blast and I'm so grateful that, that, uh, I'm being allowed, that I'm allowed to do this <laughs> and I'm allowed yeah. to take over.
2: Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah.
0: I just feel like th- this is like, This is a lesson for everybody of just like, do you have an idea, like a dream or something you want to make happen? Like you can actually figure out the way to make it happen. Like that's that's a very inspiring thing.
1: Yeah, you absolutely can. You just have to be persistent. I mean, I've been doing Subway book review for seven years now and I've been trying to get in touch with the MTA for collaboration for about, you know, that time. Um, (laughs) So it uh, took
0: seven years to get through
2: their email. (laughs) somebody finally read your first email
1: oh my god from 2014 when i was like a wee just a wee lad um (laughs) no i think that um you know, we tend to, forget. I mean, to me, the MTA is like a really, really freaking cool brand and a cool collaborator, you know, yeah. um, but then we also need to take into, into consideration the MTA literally moves, what, 18 million people every day <laughs> through the fair town of New York. So they're busy. They have shit going on. They have stuff to do. Um, surprisingly, that was not a high priority, um, which is <laughs> yeah. funny to me, but uh, <laughs> now I am, and I'm very pleased.
0: That's that's awesome. Well, Yeah. I think- so what are the dates? When is when is this um shop opening? When does it close? When can people come and visit this underground bookstore?
1: If all goes well, <laughs> let's cross our fingers. We will open on December. Nope. On November, November 27th, and we'll be open until December 12th. That wow. gives you so many well it's not so many days it's 17 days but it gives you three weekends if you're a weekend person um you know you can hop over to union square holiday market before or after you come see us you can go to the strand and get more titles um or you would just on your commute you pop by and pop in um and say hi and say what's up there is, um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun space and uh, I'll be there. So also come and say hi, get your copy of Between the Lines sign, take a photo against this beautiful backdrop of New York uh, icons that we're gonna put put up maybe on a centro board against the back wall, of the brackets,
0: <laughs>
1: that all remains to be seen, but <laughs> there will be books and there will be me. Wow, nice.
0: that is so cool.
2: Yeah, it's so cool.
1: You're really giving me hope right now I feel like um, the book that I made painstakingly over a long period of time just came out and my husband was like, cool, you're gonna chill now. And I was like, <laughs> well, actually.
0: <laughs> I have this other idea.
1: We're gonna, we're gonna install a space underground with no running water, barely elec- any electricity, lots <laughs> of regulations and we're gonna do that next weekend. So <laughs> our relationship is on the rocks right now, but we're gonna <laughs> figure that out. <laughs>
0: well um, i yeah. I am so excited to see the this come together um I feel like it's gonna be really cool
1: thank you i I really can't wait i it's It's going to be such a pleasure to see uh New York City come through and I can't wait to see you all there
0: awesome
2: well okay drew
0: <laughs> you gonna follow that up what did you
2: uh, yeah. no, uh I don't know some Coyote urine pellets to scare the chipmunks away from my house like uh, (laughs) That's an important project, too. It's true. Uh, No, I did uh, two books. One was sent to me. The other I bought. Um, The one that was sent is called Shady Hollow by Juno Black. It's a reissue. Um, It's like a very Jasper 40 looking like the town's all animals, but it's a murder mystery. Oh, and it just looks fun. It's like a uh, uh, lowercase c cozy as opposed to a capital C cozy mystery, if that makes right. sense. I don't really read cozy mystery, so I don't entirely know what I'm talking about. But then the other thing is the first new translation of Albert Camus' The Plague in 70 years. Oh, wow. Um, Laura Maris was working on it pre pandemic, and then obviously, uh, interest. In that particular book, really popped off. Um, and so it just came out from Knopf. And I immediately, but I love Kemu and always have. And um, there was an article in the Times a couple of years ago about how previous translations have taken too many liberties and like paraphrased or like changed emotions. And so I'm excited to like try to revisit the book. Yeah. Which you get to do when you get a new translation of something, it's pretty rad. Yeah, that's really cool. It brings it back to life. Yeah. Christopher, what'd you buy? Any home improvement project? <laughs>
0: uh, no, not really. What I got was just um, this very cute little children's paperback. I'm going to show it to you guys because I think the cover is really cute. It's called The Starlight oh. Barking by Dodie Smith. And so it's actually the little talked about sequel to 101 Dalmatians, um, and it sounds insane <laughs> because someone brought it up on Twitter, it's how I heard of it, um, but, the, but the description, it sort of reminds me of how Trial in the Chocolate Factory is like, you know, a, a contained very like simple story. And then Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator is just insane and involves, like, space aliens and space travel and all sorts of weird things. Um, this, the starlight barking, similarly, like, um, they wake up, the, the, many, the many Dalmatians wake up, and everything but dogs are asleep, and they don't know why, and now dogs can fly.
1: That's just such a treasure of what you just described, (laughs) G.R.
0: Great. The the art is absolutely adorable. It's all illustrated. And I cannot wait to know what this adventure holds because, I mean, dogs, if they could fly, I just feel like they would be completely unstoppable. (sighs) Chaos. (laughs) Well, Uli, between the lines stories from the underground tell our listeners who might not know about the book what it what it is
1: all right all right dear listeners it is very on the nose i will say because i'm you know born and raised in germany i will name things very much as they are um (laughs) it is a collection of um over 170 conversations with New Yorkers who read books on the subway in New York City, and I have stopped them in their tracks at one point or another over the course of seven years, which is how long I have been observing readers in the underground. Um, And will have asked them, what are you reading, who are you, and where are you going, Uh, literally and metaphorically speaking. And so it's a collection of conversations about books, but very much um, about life, because as Minjin Lee, author of Pachinko and many other fantastic writings, um, has so aptly said, readers um, turn to books to get answers to burning questions they have that can't be found anyplace else. And so the... The reason that I speak to readers specifically is that they are diving through these portals into these places with answers, into these other realities, into different possibilities and opportunities. And those are very fascinating people to speak with and to um, talk about, you know, where we collectively might be going. Mm. which I think is so important at this moment in time because we know there's no turning back to the before times pre-pandemic times are not going to come back Um, and uh, I don't say that as a bummer I say that with great hope because we can also leave things behind that occurred during those times that really didn't serve us to begin with at all and we get to now reimagine what we believe the future could hold and then we can take steps toward that collectively but also individually and so ah, i mean don't you just want good ideas right now don't you just want to hear great imaginations and don't you also want to just hear it told straight without mm-hmm. a lot of fuss and just directly from the heart that's what i want and so i put this book together i edited it over um over the last year and uh created also a lot of new interview work for it and most stories that are in the book have never been published anywhere else before so you really get a collection of voices that just give you maybe you know a good not even a roadmap, but just give you some good hope it sounds so cheesy i want to hesitate to even say it but i mean that in the best of ways because Mm. Hope is something that I think we haven't maybe had a lot of in the last years. Do you know,
0: yeah,
2: it's
1: been a rough time. The last four or five years have been, yeah, for a lot of people, very freaking daunting to say the least, and have been filled with rage and with anguish and with so many emotions that we haven't even digested yet. And I think it's very, very powerful to create an optimistic space that's at the same time very honest you know yeah
0: yeah one thing that i noticed about this collection um, of interviews is how everybody has fully different reasons to be reading their books and you highlight that in a beautiful sense but so many people are also new yorkers reading books about new york like there's so many people that are like i'm reading you know.
2: A Patty of Smith book about
0: New York. I'm reading this book about New York. You know, I feel like this city's so huge, and there's so many types of stories in it that it makes sense to me that if you're here, you're also sort of obsessed with it.
1: New York loves New York. You know what I mean? <laughs> New York is loyal to New York. New York <laughs> is like uh, is its own best friend, and I love that about it. I think that. It makes perfect sense. At the same time, of course, people are reading um, across the board, you know, we have classics, we have experimental stuff, we have the 105th anniversary edition of a book, we have um, a bestseller, we have, oh my god, I mean, you name it, cookbooks. I mean, you find it truly, you find as many different people as you find on the subway, as many different books are present as well. And uh, the combination of reader and book and we all know this because everybody who listens to your beautiful podcast is already evangelized into this. but um, the the book really represents a piece of the identity of a person or a dream or a wish or a looking into what might be. Mm. So it's a, it's you know, and reading reading to me is just also not a private undertaking. Reading to me really begins when you start to converse about what is written on the page that has infiltrated your system and wants to change you. When you start to talk about that, that's when reading really becomes fulfilling. It's not the act of opening the book, reading it front to cover, closing the cover and putting it on your shelf. That's that is part of reading, but that's not the complete reading process. I need you to be out there. I need you to be talking. I need you to be chatting. I need you to be talking to strangers, friends, foes, frenemies, enemies, all of them. (laughs) Please do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I, loved for how you put this book together um is you start with the origin story sort of you start with how you came to this project and that first story of like eyes meeting and like lingering a little too long it made me think that like how many of these people um thought that you were hitting on them when you came over and were just like, hi, what are you reading? <laughs> Cause I feel, like, I feel like it's like a classic opener.
1: That's funny. Uh, I'm a professional. I'm a woman at work, Christopher. And it's very clear what my intention is. I am very beautiful. So it's very hard for people to ignore that. Um, but <laughs> most people are perfectly capable. Um, all jokes aside, I am, uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm on the job, quote unquote, and the subway is my office. And um, yeah, you know, the the cool thing that happens is that people understand when I approach them what I'm after. And I think the clearer you are with your intention, I'm very clear with my intention. My intention is here is a friend I haven't met yet. Let's chat. the clearer you are with your intention the less goes wrong from the beginning and that is something that i have learned from practicing this project and practicing this creative exercise for almost a decade is that the vibe that you put forth is so strong one way or another that i rarely get mistaken for a flirt (laughs) i do you know i do think that i often encounter someone who will say this was so much fun oh my god because i approach uh a stranger how i would approach talking to you right now you know which is with my full shenanigan um and heart uh full eyes bright tail bushy attitude (laughs)
0: um
1: and i think that that's that's very important because that communicates to a person your level of sincerity and your level of um your level of passion for what you're both about to embark on. And let's remember, I'm breaking etiquette, I'm breaking rules. Um, I make eye contact, like you say, in a place where you're not supposed to make eye contact. And then even worse, I approach and I speak, which is scary for a lot of people because um, you know, especially um, people who spend a lot of time in isolation or on their phone or on the screen, when a real person approaches them these days, it's almost like, you know, it can be a little, it can be a little daunting. You yeah. can be like, like whoa, whoa, we didn't whoa.
0: have this scheduled, so. I'm yeah, this sure. is not
1: on Google Cal. Who are you? <laughs> uh, we're not on Zoom right now. What's happening? So. Yeah, all that to say, um, man, it's so much fun to shake up someone's expectation and to to shake up their routine and to just fully mess with their day in in like a very, you know, friendly way, of course, but that's what I'm doing I come through like a little whirlwind. (laughs) And i turn your 10 minutes to half an hour upside down. And we see, you know, that's also when you surprise someone, they can't really hide. And I get a true and honest reaction yeah. very quickly because of that.
2: How, how has it changed? Like, how has, how has the thing changed over the time that you've been doing it? And also, it feels like publishing a book, like putting the physical object out into the world... It's not that it's a culmination in the sense of it being done, but like you have a, you have a fucking thing that you can point to on somebody's shelf. How has, how has the thing changed and how have you changed?
1: I mean, I'm so freaking happy that there is a physical object now because for so much of my career, I've been operating in digital spaces and digital spaces are fun and tremendous, but they can also feel like the great void of all time, right? Mm -hmm. We all know this. And it's also, it can be immensely frustrating to be in the hands of Mark Zuckerberg all the time,
2: you know, where it's like, oh,
1: today people see you today. They don't. Uh, I've decided to make some changes to this platform and you're (laughs) no longer visible. Um, So that is, that's crazy crazy frustrating. So to have something that can be in a bookstore, that can be in people's hands, that can go into people's homes on their own terms and that they can read without being tracked and having their data
2: Mm, (laughs) collected,
1: let's just say. Um, That is incredibly fun. I also cannot wait. I'm dying to run into people reading it on the subway. I need everyone to get a copy and then I need you to tell me when you're riding which train and then I will be there. I promise. (laughs) Um, All of New York, I mean it. And, um, You know, so the project is constantly changing. I mean, I mentioned that, you know, I'm opening a pop up bookstore and I'm Mm -hmm. doing that because I really want to continue to expand and I want to continue to surprise and delight. That is my mission. I want to surprise and delight. And so, if that's your mission, you're a little bit screwed because you constantly have to come up with new stuff and you have to surprise yourself. So, um as a creative person it's very very important for me to not get stuck in a routine myself and to take a sip of my own medicine and Christopher's good drink. <laughs> and to, um and to, yeah, do exactly that surprise myself so that I can surprise other people. And then on a very tangible level, you know, when I started in 2013, there was not a not a lick of good Wi Fi on the trains. And so you had,
2: a <laughs> Oh, massive, my God. Yeah, you no,
1: know? no, no, that didn't come until 2017.
2: Holy and shit.
1: Uh, And so reading on the subway was a real New York pastime. That is when New Yorkers read because there was no other time to read a full book. And so when Wi-Fi arrived, that, you know, um, there was a real year where I would say like 2018 was a horrible year for subway book review because there was such a steep decline in printed books on the subway. And good news since the pandemic, has picked back up i don't know why i don't know Mm. what's going on i see so many beautiful printed books all over all train lines it is beautiful it is stunning please continue all of you who are doing it i know you're not doing it for me but i kind of feel like you are i see you you're you're you know you're out there doing it and yeah there there are definitely you know like current events affect us right like 2016. Mm -hmm was absolutely the year that every woman I spoke to was reading a memoir written by another woman because we needed to hear about each other's lives because they were under attack constantly by the Trump Trump administration. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, freedom fighters were incredibly present um, on the subway, and people who encouraged, um, especially people of color, to live lives uh, on their own terms, um, like Toni Morrison or James Baldwin, right? Hugely on the subway, um, Malcolm X, um, Angela Davis, they were all very, very present. And then now I would say, a lot of people are moving into figuring out how to heal. And I mm. think that is very cool. And how to create a new relationship with nature and how to create a new relationship with the body. Yeah. I think that's really stunning. I spoke to a man the other day and he was reading When Things Fall Apart, um, <laughs> which uh I will not attempt to say the author's name. Anyone? Any takers?
2: Pema, I think it's like Shodron.
1: Thank you, Drew. And was just speaking about how, you know, as um, as a black man, how last year, especially last year, everything fell apart and how he's rebuilding and how he is really excited to put new pieces in place that have never even been on the table for him before. And I think that is so amazing to hear and to dive into and to Give that gift of sharing with each other to talk about not just how exhausted we are because a lot of us are and a lot of us are like rebuild now. Are you freaking kidding me? We're not mm-hmm. ready. We need another year of rest and relaxation, which Atessa yeah. has you covered for that. But um, <laughs> it is so freaking cool for people who say that they have been absolutely beat down, and we know that they have been been beat down to. Um, To speak about continuing and Mm -hmm. i think it's absolutely critical that we all think about that together you know like again like i think the last the last decade has been so majorly about just even making sure that in that an individual voice can be heard because there were so many individuals who were not given any chance to have their voice heard. And that's what the last decade was about. And I think the next decade is about these individual voices finding themselves, the ones who are like-hearted, not even like-minded. We don't need that. We need like-hearted voices to come together and then collectively build. That's the next decade. And Mm. I see that starting in what people um, are reading. And it's really cool. I dig it.
0: Yeah, I do feel like people rediscovered their reading habit in the pandemic that it was one thing that I mean you saw it in all of the sales reporting it's just like books were mm-hmm. books were up classics people were people were like finally like I'm going to re- find I've been meaning to read Frankenstein forever I'm going to do it um and I appreciated that I thought that that made a lot of sense and it makes sense too that that people are looking at how to rebuild the future and still looking to books for that
2: yeah
1: and i'll be totally honest i could not read during the pandemic at all my mind could not do it my brain could not do it i read maybe like it's a shameful amount but i'm not ashamed i'm a good reader i've read so many books in my life i have nothing to hide i think i read like I started three books and I finished half a book like that. And that was it. I was also writing a book. So, you know, I think that that contributed to it. And when I wasn't, you know, I was very um, much engaged in social justice um, movements here in New York City. So um, my my days were filled. But then when I was home, my my brain could not settle. I can't tell you how many books I started. I bought plenty of books and i have started many a book in a pandemic <laughs> but i could not settle on one and then i just found one recently while well, my best friend uh davis sent it to me actually and i'm making my way through it and i feel like it's reinitiating me into reading mm. after all this time after this year
0: and what book is that
1: well that's of course wintering the power of rest and retreat in difficult times by catherine may thank you for asking
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah you did bring that to our desks and i'm so glad you did my god just like perfectly
2: timed Mm -hmm.
1: i mean we have to thank davis for that that was really davis so davis this one goes out to you shout out (laughs) shout out um but but yeah what did you think
0: well one of the first things that i thought was just um she is so good at following her interests she's so excellent Mm. At finding something and being like, "Wait a minute, this actually will connect." I'm going to follow wolves, and that will connect to how I'm feeling uh, sad. And she also does this thing. She talks about the action of acceptance of sadness, Mm -hmm. which you know, I had to, I had to write that down a couple times because I was just like, acceptance. Because of course, like anybody, you're, you're. I feel sad, and I'm like, how do I, how do I leap over this feeling and get into a new feeling? Because sad doesn't feel good. But she sort of, she sort of says something in favor of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like I've been having conversations with my wife for the last, fully the last two years, like since deciding to leave the public. Summer 2019, like, and I, so many people over the last two years have come along on some version of this journey, whether it's leaving a job or making whatever the change is, but acknowledging that, like, yeah, sometimes shit is really hard. And the thing that you do then is, is retrench mm-hmm. and relax and like take care of yourself in a way that is not. The thing I loved about this was that, like, to your point, Christopher, of, the acceptance of sadness it was not a like marketed hashtag self care kind right. of thing it was more of the like no human beings have seasons and sometimes you have to like you have to just listen to that thing that like very natural um natural world thing and i just i loved it it was like right book right time perfection mm.
1: I'm so thrilled you feel that way. I I, I mean, it, Davis really just sent it to me as a surprise, and it came in my mail, and I was like, this is not an advanced copy. What is this? Where is this coming from? A wild wintering? Fantastic. Sounds great. Sounds right on. Very, very uh, topical. And then he wrote me a message. and was like, hi, I would like for us to read this book together, because I think it's going to be very important for the two of us. And I was like, yeah, the power of rest and retreat in difficult times. It was like, I mean, tell me about it. That sounds wonderful um, because I think we also, we hear these words of retreat and we hear difficult times and similar mm-hmm. to sadness, you know, like we want to push it away right away and we want to be like, nah, not me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I, I haven't handled. I'm strong. You know, and I think that is not a favor to any of us. And I there is this one moment in the book. And if you don't mind, I would love to read a short little passage after this. But there's yeah. this one moment in this book where she talks about you remember this, right? She says a, a tree sheds all of his leaves or her leaves, his or her leaves, their leaves. <laughs> and you see this tree stand in front of you naked with its bare branches and it looks dead. But in fact, it is not. It is growing new buds in winter, this tree looks like it's doing jack shit, but it is doing the hardest work, which is it's recuperating and it's creating new growth. Okay, keep that in mind. I'm going to read this passage, because to me that's like, it's right on and fantastic. Okay, here comes. She says, Catherine May says, the author of Wintering, she says, we treat each wintering as an embarrassing anomaly that should be hidden or ignored. This means we've made a secret of an entirely ordinary process and have thereby given those who endure it in pariah status, forcing them to drop out of everyday life in order to conceal their failure. Yet we do this at great cost. Wintering brings about some of the most profound and insightful moments of our human experience, and wisdom resides in those who have wintered. In our relentlessly busy contemporary world, we're forever trying to defer the onset of winter. We don't even, we don't ever dare to feel its full bite, and we don't dare to show the way that it ravages us. An occasional sharp wintering would do us good. We must stop believing that these times in our lives are somehow silly, a failure of nerve or a lack of willpower. We must stop trying to ignore them or dispose of them. They are real and they are asking something of us. We must learn to invite the winter in. We may never choose to winter, but we can choose how. Boom, mic drop on Catherine May's behalf.
0: Yeah. She like, should tell you like, now throw the book across the room because And I did, and I did,
1: yes, I did do it, Catherine May. I did toss it It tumbled.
0: (laughs) I guess I do love the idea that Winter isn't necessarily attached to the season, even though she's finding hallmarks of the season Mm -hmm. to sort of explore why they're sort of, they're often connected because, you know, growing up in Southern California, with an 85 degree Christmas you know like it's not it's you don't really get the chance of like looking around and seeing a bunch of um bare trees you just see the same desert that you see all the time and the same like green lawns that are evergreen I guess uh and so it was comforting I mean there's just there's just something comforting in finding finding a book that's so eloquently putting some of the thoughts that um, I've been having, especially, you know, it kind of reminded me somewhat of reading bluets uh, by Maggie Nelson, where there were so many mm. little moments where it's like, oh yes, that is a great little thing to take away, and you can use this in your practice however it strikes you. Yeah, there's something about a book that teaches you how to live in the world. Yeah, you know, and it's not just like meditations on this. I mean, she she really does go. All out in all sorts of spots, I mean she goes to Iceland, she goes to Stonehenge. She interrogates why saunas are relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I loved all of that or and why why a cold can be healing as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love all of it because it's like um, it really it really invites us to consider where our discomfort comes from. And if it's Mm -hmm. really our own or if it's just something that we have socially accepted or learned, you know, like I, I, I mean, okay. And if this becomes a sharp winter, I will take all of this back and Uh I'm going to delete this podcast episode. And I'm going to say, you hired a robot to sound like me. And I never said any of this, but (laughs) okay. I freaking love a very cold winter day. That hurts your face when you're walking from the subway station home. Like, Mm -hmm it is satisfying to feel the difference, you know, like yeah. any day where you feel a difference. So that's, and I also, again, I appreciate a sweltering hot day for the same reason. I don't love myself, I, you know, I don't love the amount of the sweater. I don't love the amount of like bite in a, in a really true sense. But, I appreciate the difference of experience. I really do. I'm also a season freak. i I love the different seasons. I don't think I could thrive and survive in a climate that is steady and the same uh, for three hundred and sixty five days a year. So yeah. I mean, what about you? what How do you feel about seasons, Drew and Christopher? Do you need them? Do we need seasons?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, i can't I can't fathom similarly. I can't fathom not having seasons and like the change of things in a way that you know i never in my life would have been like oh right i don't know when you think about seasons and life it's like the seven stages of man speech from as you like it but they're like that idea that seasons recur that you move through like just all of that and the way that i love the changes in the seasons is also something i'm learning to love about the way that i change Mm -hmm. yeah totally
0: Yeah, I'm already starting to feel because we have radiators in each of our rooms uh, in this, in the apartment, that sort of strange thing where you come home when it's been cold and you get home and you're just like so swelteringly hot, covered in your things, and you've just been used to, you know, 50 degree difference of like 30 degrees outside to the 80 degrees that your apartment has reached from these clamoring, clacking things. I love that. And I and I think that, you know, there's a reason why uh, when I left California at 22, I never returned. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like I, w- I was, I was, I really wanted seasons, and I always thought that like that was that was the way to live.
1: So then, of course, we also have to say today it's November 18th, and it was T-shirt weather in New York City.
2: Yeah, yeah. it was. It is
1: hot AF. It is <laughs> warm. It is it climate Literally change. Nearly 70 is-
2: degrees today
1: biting us in the butt and um and i feel very deeply regretful of every plastic bag that i have ever engaged with because you know we should be starting to feel the bite right now and i'm not feeling the bite and i'm missing it i really am like is this just a very long fall? Are we going to get winter? Is it going to get to the point of snow this year? What is going to happen? Is New York now a place that has only two seasons? (laughs) What can you imagine? Can you imagine what our future generations who are going to hear this podcast 30 years from now, they're going to be like, now all over the world, it's just one season, it's hot as hell all of the time. And they're going to be like, winter? What is that? I hope not. I hope we can turn it around. But I mean there's also something to be said about that, right? Yeah. Temperatures are indeed changing, which is very freaking real. And this book in a way also makes me realize that, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like there's something about sustainability in every single way that this book makes me think about and yes. consider. Yes.
0: Yes, there's just, there's not it's not just an outward environment thing. It's also a personal environment. It's an inward um, way of thinking that I was yeah it really resonated with me and it also seemed like she was like saving herself with this book like I feel I feel sometimes even though these are like beautiful sentences and they're not like quick and short or like it's they're all very elegant actually it's very elegant writing but I felt desperation underneath some of the or just like needing it. It reminded me um Ben Marcus he wrote The Flame Alphabet and amongst other things. Um but he he was talking about his writing style at a thing that I was at someone asked about this deer that's in the book that's like licking salt and he's like this deer isn't really a big part of it like what it what was with the deer? And Ben Marcus was like, "Look, y- you got to find some way to write every day or close to it and so I just followed the salt. And in some ways, <laughs>
1: gorgeous. I was yeah. like,
0: oh, like flavor, yeah. following the salt. Like she's following the salt. Totally.
1: Mm-hmm. Whatever gets you there, you know what I mean? Like, listen, when I was looking at I mean, I, I've talked to over a thousand people in my time of hitting up strangers about their reads and their lives. Right. And I delivered my first draft assignment and it was like, it was legit like 500 or 600 pages. And they were like, this was intended to be something that is very easy to digest, dare we say coffee table book. And I was like, well, it's never going to be a coffee table book, (laughs) PS, but um, I will make it into something more digestible. And to get myself there, I created the chapters based on the major arcana of the tarot deck, which represents the hero's journey. Yeah. And it begins with the fool, which is zero, and it ends with the world, which asks you the question: What do you need to be whole? And so I, I once I followed that right, and, and I'm an avid tarot reader. I'm an avid witch and wizard. Um, I identify as both. And once I've really allowed myself to do that in my creative process and was just like, yeah, that's what, that makes so much sense. Of course, we're going to loosely orient this based on the hero's journey of the major arcana. That's when everything fell into place, similarly to the salt, similarly Mm -hmm. to the cold of winter, right? And like, I think Catherine May is looking for the cold. She's Mm -hmm. looking for the coldest parts of life because she's suffering, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think she thinks potentially that when she can find the coldest, coldest parts about life and she can survive that she can survive anything. That's a bit of what I'm getting, you know, I think all of us, it does not You don't have to write a book to do this, but all of us are looking for that. Red thread or that guiding light Mm -hmm. or that muse or that thing that strikes you and asks you to commit. And I mm-hmm. think once it actually does find us and to commit is then the act that can feel really intimidating, you know, because then you have to go on a podcast and you have to tell people that you're a witch and a wizard <laughs> and then you actually, you know, put an Easter egg in the book and no one will probably ever know that that's how the chapters are oriented unless I tell them because um, it's not explicit. it's yeah. It's a little secret, but it's. Do you know, I think we need that. I think our hearts need that. Our hearts need need that guiding light.
0: But it was like it's like you were saying, you know, in order to surprise anybody else, you have to surprise yourself first, and I feel like that was the surprise for yourself.
1: You're totally right. You're absolutely right. Yep. Thank you for saying that. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that, but you're absolutely right.
0: I can picture someone holding wintering as like a Subway Book Review post, I can see how someone would be talking about it and and holding it up because it it just seems like the type of thing that people probably read again and again.
1: I hope so. I would love to find someone reading Wintering. I'd be crazy about it. But yeah, any book that is asking us to go into our darkest, coldest place, to then be rebirthed as a very tender new leaf, I am crazy about. I mean, that's how I have curated the experience this whole entire time. And that's really what it comes down to, right? To, to grow in any direction, we do have to endure. And what we have to endure is our self, mm. not anyone else,
0: mm-hmm. you know, not
1: any external influence. You have to endure yourself which is crazy it is yeah. so painful it's so dirty It's so disgusting and it's also so absolutely transformational
2: yeah mm. totally. i really
1: mean that and that's the phase we're in as a society as a human collective that is collectively the phase we're in Cause last year we couldn't get away from ourselves. So we have looked at all the disgusting, amazing parts and we have faced ourselves and we have endured ourselves, you know? And Mm -hmm. so now the question is what leaf you're growing. And that's why a book like wintering to me is just like such a good read right now. You know?
2: Yeah. Talk about new leaves growing. I can tell you how this winter is going to be, Uli. I know because I was looking at the woolly bear caterpillars out in my yard today.
1: Oh my God, Drew, this is exciting. Please, yes, yes.
2: It's going to be a mild winter. It's gonna begin harsh and end very mild. And harsh (sighs) is like a relative. And I know this because the woolly bears, very little black, and there's more black at the front than at the back, mostly like the reddish brown in the middle. And I, Mm. I am a man of the woods. I have wait, learned wait,
1: wait 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 i have questions yes what what does the caterpillar tell you about the weather how can you tell what the weather will do based on the caterpillar
2: well i smoke a hookah with him and yeah. then <laughs> um no it's like it's it's one of these like old farmers almanac style folklore things the um th- so woolly bears are um they have like a big sort of reddish brown band in the middle and depending on it's like if they're the more black the harsher the winter the more Uh, red the milder the winter uh, and if whichever side there's more black on, because they're not split evenly we'll tell if it's more black at the head it starts harsh and ends mild (gasps) yeah cool crazy right
1: no it's fantastic
2: also we'll see i have a little bit of that feeling of like when you get to february and you haven't seen a woolly bear for four months and there's three feet of snow on the ground You don't remember what you're just like (laughs) ah you know yeah so
1: this is exciting okay so the woolly bear is telling us the winter's gonna set in harshly suddenly
2: Mm. yeah but then it's gonna be a relatively mild out through the end of the year or the end of the winter
1: oh my god i mean that sounds beautiful like a long spring are we looking at a good long spring next year
2: I mean, I guess we have to ask the groundhog about that. Oh, but,
1: okay, have a hookah with the groundhog, huh? okay, get a little bit of yeah, you know, uh-huh. good toe going. And then I feel like the back.
2: groundhog <laughs> probably likes a cigar.
0: As Drew's woolly bullies, what do they call it?
2: <laughs> yes, the woolly bully. The woolly um,
0: bully. Yeah. Woolly bully. Wooly Isn't bear. that the name of the? Oh, yeah. Wooly Bully is the, is is the, the magnetic thing that you yes, can that draw the, <laughs> his hair on. Okay. So as, as Drew's um, caterpillars have told him, we're headed for a cold winter, which means a great time to be reading, um, which means we should recommend you some things to read or experience or have in your life. <laughs>
2: A Take
0: a look. Yeah. and maybe you should start us off drew man of the
2: woods okay this is it this is a i think a great wintertime read um despite the fact that it's set in los angeles a place that doesn't really have seasons the book is called light from uncommon stars mm-hmm. by rika aoki it is um it is one of those books that is just like it contains everything. There are aliens. There's also demons. There's a violin prodigy. There's a spaceship that makes donuts. There's a lot of donuts. There's ducks. It's just like it's it's so, so, so wonderful. The, the engine of plot is essentially that um, this woman made a mephistophelesian deal at some point where she has to deliver the souls of seven violin players to hell and she's working on the seventh who is this uh young transgender runaway and she starts sort of like doubting the ethics of selling this person's soul essentially but at the same time there's also like Scenes with the um, the luthier who makes the violin and you get a snapshot into this world. Shizuka, the, the uh, woman trying to pay off her debt, like falls in love with a starship captain who has taken over running a donut shop. It's just like, it's so full and rich and funny and the food writing is to die for. Mm. Um, I read it in like a day and a half uh, I gave it to my friend Jordan Kistner, who read it in a day and a half. Like It's just one of those sweet, embracing kind of books.
0: Mm. That sounds fantastic.
2: Yeah. Christopher, what about you?
0: Uh, I don't have a book to recommend this time. I've been reading for work pretty assiduously, which means that the books that I have been reading are many years out from coming out, if they come out at all. Um, so I'm going to just recommend the thing that I've been doing while I read, which is eat candy, um, and Reese's peanut brittle. This is a new holiday, uh, variant. And I thought for sure that it was going to be too sweet and not pleasant, but somehow they really found the balance Reese's peanut brittle. Get yourself a bag of it. It's delicious. And it's like slightly holiday-y, so you can even put them out and look, you've, de- you've decorated. Great. So that's mine. Uli?
1: Well, you know what? I'm, maybe it's because I'm getting old, you guys. May, it might be. It might be. I'm feeling a little, um, I'm feeling interested in time travel. Um, I am going to read Laser Rider 2 next. Uh, by Tamara Shopson, which is about um, a computer repair shop in New York in the 90s when the internet was new. And I don't know, I'm just kind of very excited about it. I'm very, very excited about it. And then I also am hoping that I will get an arc of Emma Straub's new book this time tomorrow, which is about time travel. Um, And I'm very excited about that book because when I spoke with her right before the pandemic in early, early 2020. Um, We spoke about a book for Between the Lines, and she read The Idiot by Elif Batuman. And um, we spoke about the time before email and the time when Mm. we actually had time. And she didn't tell me that at that point she was re- she was she was writing this time tomorrow. Um so yeah, very interested in time travel, you know, diving into different eras in like a really fun and lighthearted way, I guess.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: Because this time tomorrow doesn't come out for Breaking hour, right? When does it come out? We don't even know it's when it like comes out yet.
2: Summer, summer. May, yeah. yeah,
1: May. Yeah. I have to, I have to wiggle my way in there or see if I can hook myself <laughs> up. But Laser Rider number two is out.
0: Yes, available we- now. I highly recommend it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's an incredible book. I love Tamara Shopson's work across oh, the board. She has not yes. written a bad book. Truly She's wonderful.
1: phenomenal. Yeah. Arbitrary stupid goal. What a treasure.
0: Amazing. Oh, so- Mumbai, Scranton, uh, New
1: York, right? That's the other one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So good, um, Uli. Yes, love your book. Also, we recommend oh! very heartily. Between the it's lines, so wonderful. It's a lovely collection. It's it's the you know a culmination, but it's also not the end of it, of course. And I oh! think that that's lovely.
1: Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, and to the to the people in the in the listening audience. W- number one thing that we always tell you, and we always say it, not because we just need to fill airtime, because this can be as long as we want, um, <laughs> but we uh, we really like when you leave us reviews. You could go on Patreon.com/smdb and give us money if you want to.
1: They love money.
2: Yeah, we all do. Unfortunately, True. I mean, it, you know we got to get through the winter and then we can defeat capitalism.
1: They love money. Give your money to them.
2: And thanks again,
0: Uli. It is such a pleasure to have you back in the damn library. Yeah.
1: Thank you both. Honestly, being here a third time is such a wonderful pleasure. And I have successfully finished my drink, Christopher. I'm three sheets to the wind. I did have it in a large (laughs) tumbler um the spritz uh did stretch it but it made it even more delicious i drank it faster (laughs) that's um, how it gets (laughs) you that's how it gets you um i just appreciate both of you so much and what you do for the world of reading and conversation um and i'm so happy to have been in conversation with you again
2: yay Yay.